0: Welcome to The Agile Speaker, where we're learning from Marianne Johnston about the science behind the art of speaking. I'm Colin Gray from thepodcasthost.com, and you'll know by now that we're going deep on elevator pitches this season. Last episode, we talked about the elements of an elevator pitch. That's from team details to achievements to market size, and they make up your bag of ingredients that you can dip into to bake up the perfect pitch. Well, today we're going to look at the recipe. Now that's what ingredients to include in any given context, and what order to chuck them in. You can have the best ingredients in the world, but put them together in the wrong way, you might still bake a pretty horrible pie. So let's hear from Marianne, if only so I don't torture this metaphor anymore. We'll start with length. The idea of an elevator pitch is that it's quick. It's delivered in the space of just a few floors, but I've seen variations up to a couple of minutes. With that in mind, how long can an elevator pitch be?
1: I think uh, in in a conversation, you could be looking at more like 30 to 45 seconds. Uh In reality, in a, you know, somebody saying, what is it you do? You've probably only got that amount of time to really catch people. Sixty seconds is the easy number for a lot of events, but in some places, they expand it out to ninety seconds as well, mm. and of course, the longer you get, the more opportunity you have to bring in more of those golden nuggets. yeah but actually, I'd argue everybody should be able to work on a sixty second pitch mm-hmm. because it gives you it forces you to be really concise, yeah and succinct with what it is that you do.
0: Yeah. So when you cut it down to 30 seconds, are you cutting out entire elements or are you short? Are you still making sure to include all six and shortening them? How do you think about that?
1: You are probably needing to cut out a couple of elements. Perhaps you might need to just shorten the positive news part. Mention a tiny bit of that if you can. I I mean, I think it's a balance, actually. I think you're probably cutting out some parts, but also shortening, if that makes sense. It's uh, for that one, I would actually probably say the obvious thing you'd knock out is your name and your position and that sort of thing just to shorten it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's a combination, really. The 20 seconds is really just a handful of words that sums up what it is that you do. Yeah. And if you if you think about it, if you've ever been to an event and you meet loads of people, you're never going to remember all the detail of what everybody has said. But if people walk away from that event and go, oh, yeah, I remember Colin Gray, he was a podcast host. And I really like what he did and I'd like to follow up with him or something like that. Or, oh, yeah, I met Marianne Johnston. She coaches people with pitching. You know, it's literally probably a sentence. Um, a, a phrase that is the reminder. So as long as you get that, that handful of words that concisely tells people what it is you do, then that's really, yeah, what you need.
0: Yeah, is the is that element that they remember? You know that that nugget that you're talking about is that very dependent on who you're speaking to.
1: Yes, it will depend on who you're talking to, and there will actually be certain phrases. And certain words that will make a big impact on the audience. And what I'm thinking about here is there might be technical jargon that is absolutely vital to what you are doing that you need to say. But it may be technical jargon that an awful lot of the audience don't get. And I've seen that happen a lot at events um, pitching workshops I work on where there are highly technical people in in industries like life sciences you know for example and I remember one one gentleman a few years ago at EIE who arrived at the workshop with his pitch and delivered it and everyone in the room sat there and it went right over our heads everybody in the room even the people who are involved in life sciences it went over their heads and I said to him you know, we need to simplify this. It's really complicated. It's very difficult to understand. How can we simplify this? And he found it quite challenging to do that because he's so immersed in what they're doing and yeah. it all feels entirely normal to him. Anyway, there was this one word that was macrocycles, And I remember saying to him, you know, what is that? None of us in the room have heard this. And he said to me, Marianne, if I don't include that in this pitch the investors in the room will see no credibility with me. You know, credibility out the window if that one word is not within the pitch. So we worked on his pitch and we simplified the whole story so that it would land in people's heads in a way that they understood and it felt more kind of relatable. But on the day, it was quite funny. He managed to tell his pitch in a very relatable way, but he managed to get the word macrocycles in twice and it was brilliant i just yeah. loved the balance that he was able to get the jargon in yeah. but without completely washing over the whole the picture over everybody's heads yeah. yeah
0: so he structured his pitch around the audience he knew would be there in front of him who knew this this term so it'd be odd presumably that's an audience that knows his industry quite well
1: a mixed audience at that event it was at eie and at that uh, time yeah. the investors were coming from life sciences from Um, informatics and and technology and from energy sectors So, but what I'm very, the the reason that I was so careful to make sure that he was understandable in layman's terms is a number of times people will say to me but I'm only interested in the investors who are in my sector but actually you've got a whole room of hundreds of people sitting there listening to your pitch and they all have networks too So although they, as individuals, may not be your investor, they might know of somebody who might be your investor. So I feel everybody needs to be able to get the pitch, whether they are your target audience or not.
0: There's a fine balance here, isn't there? You need to make your pitch as accessible as possible because often the bulk of the room aren't right into your sector. And even if they are, it doesn't mean they're at the really technical end of the scale. So aim for the layman. But you know your own audience. You know those triggers that really hit home with the experts in your field. Whether that's words, phrases, stats. So as long as the bulk of the pitch is accessible, sneak in those trigger words as well if you can. That way, you can make sure you have the main message that sticks in the mind of your general audience, but you also have a few key triggers that really perk up the ears of the experts in the room. Next, let's get into the structure. This is all about how we build a great pitch from the ground up, using those elements we talked about last time. They're the building blocks. Let's put it in order. What's the best way to begin?
1: I think there are four possible options for starting off your pitch. And I do want to emphasize here that the, the reason there are the options is that different people will have different levels of comfort in each of those options. Now, the most common one, probably, that a lot of people see is to start with the problem, which tends to be seen as being the hook. You know, that's a bit like the headline on the page one of a newspaper. That's the thing that grabs everyone's attention. But not everybody feels comfortable starting with that. Some people say, listen, I'd be much happier just saying who I am at the beginning. Because actually, let's face it, that's what we all do when we meet for the first time. You say, hi, I'm Marianne Johnson. Nice to meet you. And so on. So it could be the problem. It could be your intro of name position and company, but it could also be maybe the market size to show what a big deal, you know, how big the market is that you're going to be working in and how enormous that is, yeah, if that yeah. is the case. Yeah, um, Or it could be some kind of amazing stat that you have that's going to hook people as well. Yeah. So there are different ways of starting and it just comes down to what you, what sits best with the person that's pitching. Yeah.
0: So presuming you, uh, you find the introduction that suits you best, is there any particular element, though, that you think you do need to get in
1: early? I do think it's useful within about the first 30 seconds to have included your problem and solution if that's possible because that's what tends to put across a compelling argument to want to keep listening. And what I find when I'm listening to lots of pictures is that if I, I, my brain is ticking along and I get to 30 seconds just naturally in my head and I know whether they've got me or not and I know if they're starting to drift with too much detail. So I think problem solution and that might include the the market. The problem might include the market size possibly or it might include the stat. You know, as you can see, there are different ways of going about this.
0: Yeah, it's funny because that brings to mind an EIE event a while back where it seemed to me there wasn't, there was only one way to go about it. I remember one in particular that seemed to start in um, quite a, Quite a cheesy way, almost. They would say something like, "Have you ever um, had bad breath?" Well, imagine there was a solution that uh, cured your halitosis in twenty seconds. Well, I'm Colin Gray from the Bad Breath Company, or so. You know, it was it was always the exact same formula. It was like a problem solution introduction, um, and it was longer than acts. I remember the introduction was almost consistently on thirty seconds. It was like people had been told, "You don't introduce yourself until thirty seconds in." and then do it then. I mean, that just, it just seemed really, it was kind of effective the first few times, but it just became comical after a while. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, that with more and more of these events coming on uh, through the calendar, that was, I think that was, I, I think I can almost remember the year where suddenly the numbers at that event really changed and suddenly it did seem more obvious that there was a route that everybody was following and that's where so you know now when i'm helping um with programs like the like eie or converge or programs at the edinburgh center for carbon innovation or um i work really hard to make sure that there isn't that formula happening anymore and you know although i'm working on every individual pitch with each individual company I'm also looking at it from a much bigger picture point of view of listening to more and thinking, you know, I don't want them all to be the same. We need to mix it up so that there's a difference between them all. And also to make sure that the individuals feel comfortable with the way they're doing it. Because I don't want someone... I don't want anyone to be uncomfortable with saying, you know, do you have bad breath is the first thing that they're saying. I want them to feel comfortable with the way they start. But I think we also need to be very careful of those TV ad style elevator pitches. Yes. Where you feel like you're getting a bit of a cheesy kind of question at the beginning or, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it really? And, you know, those TV ads and radio ads are happening day in, day out. We're hearing them and watching them and they work because they do grab people's attention, they do make impact. But my question is... Do they make you credible? Do you sound credible if you use that kind of approach? Yeah,
0: yeah. And often you'll hear investors say, I invest in the person, not the company, the person, not the idea. Um, And it seems to me that when you've got 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes on a stage, a lot of it will be about being yourself.
1: Yep, that's exactly it. And, you know, that comes back to my whole approach is conversational style, using your relaxed conversational style at all times and what you have to remember is that if the audience sitting there watching you up there on stage delivering that pitch what they see and experience from you up there is what they should experience when they come to your stand later Yeah, yeah or when they meet you after dinner or if you've been on that panel discussion that when they come and talk to you later at networking that they get the same experience and it isn't a sort of Jekyll and Hyde situation
0: So, four possible ways to begin a pitch. Like Marianne said, choose the one that fits you, your personality, your approach. I'm sure people can argue objectively that one or another might have a slightly higher average hit rate, but let's be honest, in the real world, that'll be dwarfed by the impression you give when you feel uncomfortable or false. Instead, find a method that helps you feel comfortable and honest. If you can, I'll bet your credibility your engagement with the audience, they'll soar. Let's tie it up now with the finale. How do you close a pitch?
1: I'd say 90% of the time it's a call to action. How do you want that audience to help you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how much investment you're looking for, what you'll use it for, or if you're trying to build a team, what kind of team, um, what kind of skills do you need? Yeah, yeah. Or looking for customers or you know all those kind of aspects but sometimes as I said earlier on in an earlier episode it might be that you end with who you are because if you haven't said that at that point that (laughs) is how some people like to round off and leave that as the last thing.
0: I suppose that's the introduction to then come and talk to you at the the stand in that case. Yeah
1: so you know there are so many possible ways around this as you can see.
0: What about the preparation then just to finish up you've got 30 seconds or a minute. I find I can I can remember 10 minutes of speech because I can ad-lib a fair bit of it, but 60 seconds I find really hard. <laughs> how do how do people once you've got that structure, once you've got that content, how do you put it together in a way that you'll actually get it right?
1: A lot of people tend to script it at first, and that I think is really useful t- so that, you know, when you've got such a deadline on the time to make sure that Every single word counts. You know, there is no chance for ad-libbing in a one-minute pitch. And so scripting it at first can really help. Some people like to stick with that and just memorise it and, and work on that. Or you might want to cut it down to just a few bullet points, stick it on a card, put it in your back pocket. My advice is always to have something on you at all times. Because when the pressure's on, particularly if there's a clock there, particularly if there's a big audience or a light that might get switched off, or you know if you're feeling the adrenaline at all, or or if you are at a networking event and you've had a busy day and you haven't really had a lot of time to think about what your elevator pitch is, just scribble down a few keywords of what you have achieved recently with your clients. And then it's just on a business card in your back pocket. And I think there's a lot to be said for having that comfort blanket on your being which just helps to relax your brain and get into the right mode when you are talking to people and make sure that you remember what those points are but yeah the higher pressure and vents where there is a microphone and a spotlight it's obviously really important to practice 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 make sure you really know your pitch inside out and I always advise people to rehearse when they're out for a run or they're walking the dog, or they're cooking the supper, yes. or they're doing their ironing, or they're whatever it is. Um, I remember there was a guy that said that he was practicing his pitch in the shower a couple of years ago before one event, <laughs> you know, sort of singing it or something. Because the more that that memory muscle kicks in, um, it's a bit like driving a car. You don't really have to think about it anymore yeah. on the day at the event because your brain just knows you know, what's coming next. So you just know it well. Yeah. But the other, there is another key to that and that's making sure that the pitch is conversational to you. Yeah. It feels like you just talking to somebody as you deliver it. And that helps your brain and makes it easier for it all to flow.
0: So it's less about reading a script and just talking through the ideas that you know well, you know the company, you know the audience, just deliver it.
1: That's exactly it. It's your business. It's your Job at that company—it's what you do day in, day out—and remember that the person you're speaking to—they don't have your pitch in front of them. They're not going to know if you've missed something out.
0: Thanks for listening along to season two of the Agile Speaker with Maryanne Johnston. You can read more about her work at maryannejohnston.co.uk. And remember, if you haven't already, head back and listen to season one of the podcast, which takes you right through Marianne's approach to agile communication.